I, if I if I'm gonna be honest about myself and like really acknowledge things that are wrong with me, one of them is that I don't I don't have the capacity to talk about football. Because if I did, think of the vast swathes of people. Jahan, who I do my uh, Disney podcast with, he's a football fan. That guy's a football fan, and I'm friends with him. So it can happen. I can I can be compatible with people. Now, in the case of our relationship, there is this understanding that that he doesn't bring up football. Otherwise, he gets kicked to the curb. But, but see, kicking, you see, that's to do with football. Kicking, being violent towards people, that's to do with football. So I'm like, do you see what I mean? I'm already being gradually converted. It's revolting. Yeah, and there's people on the internet, yeah. loads of them, yeah. who like wrestling. I know, it, isn't that weird? Like, what's going on with those people? Ima- imagine the conversations we could have if we liked wrestling. Imagine the conversations we could have if we liked golf. It's like... I'd, I'd rather not be that person. I th- I'm okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd rather not have the. I'd rather not have the sport in my life. But I don't mind the idea of using it as a kind of a cheat code to unlock new friendships. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I ought to learn a little bit about football. I mean, the Mr. Beatung video about football. I watch now and then, like once a year, to remind myself because it's actually. Have you ever seen it, the Mr. Beatung? Have you ever seen any Mr. Beatung? No. Well, he's he's a guy who like. In the in the pre you know Noah Caldwell Gervais era, he was one of the people that you went to for that sort of video. But he made like uh, you know he made them once a year, if that it made like pr- less than that. Um, I can't even, to the point where I can't now even remember what any of his videos were about, um, or or what which means hey maybe it's time to rewatch them. But I do remember that he made a video called condescending. It was something like condescending explanation of football or something like that. And he's a football fan. But he used his skills as a, you know, actually interesting YouTube video about video games man to explain football the way he would, you know, the way he would talk about any video game that you hadn't played before and its mechanics. I remember you linking this once uh, years ago, I, I think, and I watched it and I completely forgot it. So I've remembered. I've remembered <laughs> why I used to watch his videos. He's one of the guys who did the. Um, the Mass Effect conspiracy back when ah of course do you remember back when there was a big Mass Effect conspiracy and then he and then he covered the actual ending uh, and he did interesting videos about it I think that was him yeah. yeah no he's done a genuinely interesting video about why why people like football and hey if there was anyone else in the world who I'd ever seen or heard of who could do that then I I might be into it myself but un- unfortunately I can't I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to a a football fan about football, it, it they it, it it goes very very strange. They start talking in this language that's like, and obviously this is going to be a parody of of the language because I'm I don't I don't speak it, I don't understand the culture. But so if, if this is in some way racist, then then I I don't mean that or culturally insensitive. But it goes something like, <laughs> well, it's oh, 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 oh. now I thought I now and this is where I I have made um, steps towards understanding the culture. I thought that it was like. Uh, I thought it was like da 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 da. That this is a tune da 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 da. But it's not. It's subtly different. It's oh, and then when you expect oh, that's not what you get. You actually get oh. So you have to make sure that you're not in key. You have to make sure that you're like a real galumphing idiot. Ah, yes. And that and and that. Sorry, I don't mean a galumphing idiot. That's that is culturally insensitive. No, no. You have to be the kind of person who beats up the opposite team and goes on a riot. I mean, yeah, you gotta be ready to do that. I'm that. I've there's a gap there. I wouldn't be able to cross straight away. But maybe I could learn. 
yeah, footballers are famous for uh, not being particularly intellectually sophisticated. It's uh, right. pure tribalism and violence and like base human behavior that we also see online express themselves in many ways, like uh, all the ugly. Uh, Twitter wars between people that are completely unproductive, and it's just yeah. pretty much the the, the the internet equivalent to like football hooliganism. It's where... exactly the same, and yeah. and the <laughs> in, in fact, do you know what I'm going to say that it is stupider, the internet version, because mm. at least with football hooliganism, what they've done there is they've gone. We are literally the only re- the only difference between us is that I'm wearing this color and you're wearing that color, and like. Be, purely because like, there's not even a bre- there's not even a difference of of like information between them. They both know probably about as much about each other's team as each other. It's just that I happen to be wearing. I wear this color. I happen for whatever reason to when someone asks what team I support, I say this team, and that's literally the only difference between us. We are at war, and I think that you are a different form of human because of this difference. Well, actually, it is. Almost exactly the same because, as we discovered with uh, the Last Jedi, and I think yeah. this actually extends to all Twitter arguments where people well, aren't yeah. actually talking to the other person and addressing them as they are. They're they're arguing against the image of the person they had. So it's less just like uh, they're it's arguments against the imagined persona the other person is yeah. inhabiting. <laughs> Well, that's exactly right, and I, and I, I realised I got carried away yeah. and didn't finish my point, which is that compared to the football thing, which is I've got this colour and you've got that colour, on the internet, when people have that kind of argument, they pretend that it's about something. So they, so they'll, they will, they'll talk all intellectual and make points, and actually, it's not about any such thing. And so, so that probably makes that the stupider argument, because at least the football fans are admitting that what they're doing is hooliganism. <laughs> but actually, it's about ethics in games journalism. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, good morning. Hey! I did a lot of things this week that uh, were very entertaining, but, you know, if you were reasonable people... Actually, we can almost abandon the idea that uh, reasonable people wouldn't be doing what we're doing, because everyone... Does really stupid stuff with most of their time. Like, how yeah. many people in the world are really like a hundred percent realizing their human potential and making the world better? It's almost yeah. nobody. Almost nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're kind of on par with humanity in general. So yeah, and it's it's strange how <sighs> quick how quickly we get sort of humiliated about our behavior. I mean, just the other day. Um, the uh, so the so the the writing cafe. Well, no, sorry, the place, the cafe I go to to do writing. It's not a writing cafe by any stretch. Um, uh, we, I think they um, there was evidence that they're aware of what Abby's Twitter account is, and I can't remember what that evidence was. Mm. Um, but they, but she's she's following them. The thing is, I'm not following them, and that's deliberate because I don't want. People like who I depend on to be relatively neutral and friendly towards me to know what I'm like, like, I, you know, like, because because and we're friends and we get on really well and we chat about stuff and sometimes when things come up, we, you know, um, one of the main people there, um, we, I mean, it's a co-op, so it doesn't work like that, but one of the original people there, I should say, perhaps, um, accidentally found my Zelda song, um, 
a, a few weeks ago just accidentally he happened upon it on the internet and um he seemed quite entertained by it. he seemed it was you know he d- he said he didn't know anything about like that kind of video games he knows about like rts pc games and stuff that he plays on linux um but you know whatever and and so that was fine but i'm glad it was fine i think with most people it wouldn't have been i think it would have been like oh that's odd that's kind of weird and that is one of the things i'm proudest of like i'm thinking about some of the stuff that i retweet on twitter imagine if like grown-ups who, who you have to interact with saw some of the stuff that you retweet like if you really think about it like i was what was i retweeting it i was retweeting i can't remember what it was yesterday but it was a joke of some sort that i was like do i even dare retweeting this because I'm thinking about some of the people who follow me and some of the people who told me off for being rude in the past (laughs) (laughs) when I didn't think I was and things like that. And I had to really weigh it up. And in the end, I thought I will do exactly whatever I want to do. And that that is how I will sort of like, you know, like like panning for followers, like I'll sift out the people who don't like what I like that way. Yeah. But like, but I'd still I don't want my mum seeing it. I don't want, you know employers seeing it although actually the the people who employ me are so silly that it's usually them that i'm retweeting but you know what i mean yeah if i had a sensible job for instance i i, I don't know what i would have i'd probably just have to delete like as like as soon as i'm i have to go and do a normal job like in an office or something like that i've probably got to delete my youtube channel like i don't know what i'll do then yeah i mean sensible jobs with uh hr departments and mm. stuff like that and office politics it's just stupid as well yeah. you you just have to rename your uh, youtube channel to an alias that's what everyone else does yeah i've got a problem there which is that i've absolutely used my real name the whole time i've been on the internet including the time when i was you know a teenager trying to impress big rude boys by by saying things that i would never say now things that are harmful and like bigoted because i thought that i don't know one of the jokes of the internet is that we make these jokes in the understanding that we don't believe them and that it's funny that we would be shocking in that way an edgelord if you will um now that i realize that's not the case stop doing that many many years ago but it's there it's it's on the internet for people to find if they want somewhere presumably yeah i'm I find it a bit dispiriting that how the way people are uh, being fired for and losing uh, jobs for stuff that they did like 10 years ago. Because mm-hmm. 10 years ago was very different. And uh, like th- the kind of things we were doing, like this was like full on uh, GPS FM was still online days. Yep. The kinds of uh, shows we were doing then and things we were saying like, We've changed massively over that yeah. time. There's so much we didn't know. And yeah. there's so much more stuff uh, easily visible and vocally being shoved in our face now. In a way, it wasn't back then. And that's good because ev- that means everyone, if you have a grievance, you can actually be heard now in a way that yeah. you weren't able to just 10 years ago. So if we were ignorant about things 10 years ago or, I don't know, even a year ago, I think that's fine. <laughs> we shouldn't be nailed to the stake before uh, because of it i mean we yeah. weren't running it's... death camps it was just stupid stuff we were mouthing off <laughs> yeah the, yeah there's the, there is definitely a line and like there are people who like you can tell they meant something in a different way but mm. yeah i mean so for example like i don't think james gunn should have been fired 
from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, but then I'm, but then perhaps I'm a hypocrite because I'm perfectly comfortable if someone who I don't like, you know, a Milo or someone like that. If you if you look over ten years ago and they were saying something bigoted, well, they're still saying it now, so that sort of feels like fair game. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, we should actually have to uh, learn to accept that even people we dislike should get a, f- a free pass for stuff they did in the past. Uh, Maybe depending on what it is, I'm just saying yeah, like yeah. internet comments here. Assuming uh, it's on the same level that we're talking about, yeah, yeah because it's uh, same thing with like with anything good. It's always a bad side. Like uh, oh, there's free flow of information on the internet. Uh, if you have a like gender dysphoria, you can talk about it on the internet. And even if you're a child pornographer, you can put it up on the internet. Like, <laughs> good thing, bad thing, because <laughs> of the freedom of the internet. <laughs> well, you can't uh, on Tumblr. Yeah. I sorted that out. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy that some people are campaigning for uh, Pornhub to buy Tumblr so we can... Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting, because I know that... Is it, I think it's Pornhub that was... Like saying, well, you can post more or less the same stuff on us, but I don't think anyone wants uh, that's that's not what people want. They don't want to be like, I'm a pornographer now. Like I'm I'm on my porn board. Like they want to be on Tumblr where it's. A di- I mean, it had a particular personality. I wasn't yeah. part of that culture, so I I don't know it very well. But yeah, for Pornhub to actually buy Tumblr, but keep it more or less the same, but obviously not allow child porn on it. Of course, presumably though, Pornhub has a stringent way of doing that. Otherwise, there'd be child porn on Pornhub and it would have been gone by now. Yeah, but it's funny how the people who run Pornhub have built up a lot of goodwill. So yeah. they would absolutely be able to just buy Tumblr and then kind of maintain it the way it's been and people would yeah. like probably be happy with it. That would be that would be a good idea. I mean, mm. maybe... Uh, Again, there's some having the the word porn in the title maybe maybe a bother, <laughs> but like I feel as if presumably Pornhub, what they need to do is like what Google did and to, and like have a make themselves a parent company, you know, Alphabet. Yeah. They, if if Pornhub did that and just said, okay, Pornhub is now part of the Horn Pub LLC or whatever, <laughs> and and then they buy Tumblr. Yeah, I, that's. Seems like a good idea for everybody. Yeah, I think they already are because the people who work there want to be able to just say to parents and relatives that they yeah. work at a media company. So it has like a nondescript uh, uh, name. Yeah. Um, there but, we go. But, yeah. I think there we go. Or- that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, I think they already solved it at the company's conception because they couldn't hire people if they're putting out like ads for Pornhub. Come yeah. work here. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your parents. But then again, you'd get the you'd get the people you want if you did. Yeah. Say, so, anyway, I uh, this week I didn't mention this to you beforehand. Oh, this will be an exciting surprise. Yes, this week <laughs> I learned that there are loads of music awards shows going on in Asia this in December. Oh, okay. So. The one I watched, because there's uh, one in uh, Japanese TV channels have one that was like, going on at the same time. I ignore that one. The one I watched was the Mnet Asian Music Awards 2018. Okay. And it's a pretty excessively produced show. It's uh, a bit like Eurovision, where oh. 
so on Monday, 10th of December, it was a three-hour show, I believe, in Korea. On Wednesday, it was a three-hour show in uh, Tokyo. And uh, yesterday, it was a four-hour show, the grand finale in Hong Kong. <laughs> wow, that is... And it's... And that's an awards show. Yes. And so, it, so, 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 so they're there to say, like, and by the way, this album sold very well. Here's a here's a medal. But they're putting on loads of acts and yeah, lo- loads cool. of acts. It's pretty much Eurovision, where it's lots of artists you've never heard of that you would never listen to outside the context of the show. But the sh- it's very well put together and beautifully like paced, where it's right. just the. Uh, really entertaining to watch and it was all streamed on youtube and i only caught the finale in hong kong so actually just before this show uh, i downloaded the uh, two previous uh, night's shows uh, so i'm gonna watch them uh, today because uh, just the grand finale it, it was a lot of fun so you had like a three, a 200 to 300,000 people watching at the same time and the youtube chat just flying past Full of idiocy. <laughs> because the chat was so fast, it was just people posting the name of their favorite artist over and over and over again. <laughs> and it, I suppose, yeah, once you once once a chat is going by that fast, people will come up with a new means of communication that ad- addresses that. So, so, and they weren't. This wasn't a chat of just Korean people speaking Korean. You could read it. Yeah, it was mostly English speakers. Really? I'm guessing if you're in Korea, it's actually aired on TV. So they're watching it there. And there are uh, Korean uh, streaming sites. So they're probably watching on their own localized um, sites. So uh, YouTube uh, seems to be just English speaker focused. And that's actually refreshing in a way to learn that there are places in the world where everything that happens here, all our politics, all our music, all our celebrities, is completely irrelevant to them. It is genuinely like a completely different world where it's like all these people like, oh, here's a celebrity walking up on stage like never heard of this person. And everyone's yeah. screaming like, oh, here's loads of actors presenting the awards. I've never seen or heard of them in my life. <laughs> And the most, but that's what it's like for me watching any normal awards show (laughs) in in English. Yeah, (laughs) so I guess this is exactly the same. (laughs) And Mnet in general is like it's an obscure name, uh, but Mnet is a TV channel. Like, remember in the nineties there was a a television channel uh, dedicated to music, a a music television channel, if you will. I've heard speak of these things yeah. yes imagine if that channel still existed and had the same focus it did in the 90s namely music and they were still successful and it was still a place where people could go and learn of artists and it was kind of relevant to cultural and um, music in any way whatsoever that's what huh. mnet is so they've had this award show since 1999 and just seeing the production value here it's like pretty spectacular because like Eurovision is like a several like TV channels across all of Europe doing it together. And that's why you have like uh, countries outside of Europe partic- 
participating in it because it's like the European Broadcast Union, not the actual European Union. And this is like only Korea. <laughs> <laughs> and it can do something equivalent. Anyway, yeah, this is very entertaining. So I'm going to keep an eye out uh, in a year, if I remember, um, the next December. Because uh, I only saw this because I've been, in general, just watching K-pop stuff. And this showed up in like YouTube recommended stuff uh, when it was airing. It, like before the show started, it was like the red carpet part of the show. Where it's like 90 minutes of people just arriving, uh, stepping out of their cars, walking to, to a place, getting photographed. And then leaving. And like 100,000 people watched that. <laughs> was the most boring thing ever. Well, perhaps in in that meantime, between next year's show and now, you can, if you just keep up with the people who you found out about due to this year's show, then you might find that by next year's show, you actually have a fairly robust understanding of sort of Korean pop culture that you will know who everyone is. I mean, I'm... I'm still at the point where I haven't yet heard an Ariana Grande song, but, <laughs> but ever since the uh, the attack at her concert in Manchester, I felt a sort of I don't know paternal protection towards her because she's so little, and there was a bomb in her show, and like she's so she was so upset about it, and um, so since then I've heard and seen her name absolutely everywhere. So mm. even though I haven't yet heard one of her songs, I'm completely aware of who she is, and I feel as if. You know, I know who she's been dating because, like, it's you know everyone knows who she's been. I couldn't tell you the name now, but you know, at times yeah. I've known, and and it's a thing that like pop culture knows, it's quote unquote, everyone knows, but which I would never know had I not had that one moment of finding out who a particular pop artist was, and therefore be it like just you know, it's one of those things where their name is no longer invisible to me when it comes up. So like, maybe that's gonna happen. Yeah, to you, and you'll know who all these people are. What was that you just said? Yeah, so I linked to you uh, one of the clips from the Mnet K Pop YouTube channel. Uh, it's one of the acts. Uh, these people, this group, Seventeen, won uh, the award for best choreography. So uh, the music itself here is pretty bland. It's monotonous, but I feel like they really deserved their choreography award because they. Their act starts like, I don't know, 45 <laughs> seconds in, and it just looks exhausting what you're doing. You can feel like they're, they're doing like, it's, they're extremely well trained physically, and the level of synchronization in everything they're doing, it's just, you can see that these are people who have really dedicated themselves to this craft, and apparently they choreograph uh, their acts themselves. So, uh, not gonna start watching like boy band groups, but they just seeing what they're doing here. I can understand why uh, people would be enthusiastic to see something like this live, just because of the uh, physicality of it, what they're doing. So you can have that on in the background or whatever and watched it. So, okay. or at least I could if it would load. It's just spinning a disc for me. Oh, there it is. Got it. Oh, <laughs> I think I had too many tabs open. Yeah, that happens. See now, what I'm looking at here is um, there's a uh, there's a restaurant in town called Wasabi. Um, mm. In fact, there's a couple of branches of it in town, and it's a uh, sushi restaurant. Um, and they do well. I mean, it's ostensibly a sushi restaurant. I never eat the sushi. I eat their uh, katsu ch chicken katsu curry, which is the 
absolutely 100% the nicest chicken katsu curry I've had anywhere. I've tried it in all sorts of places. Theirs is the nicest. It's absolutely wonderful and delicious and beautiful. And they happen to be over the road from the cinema. So we go there whenever we see a film. This is what plays on the screen there. Um, <laughs> except <clears throat> presumably theirs is, I, I think they're a Japanese restaurant. So I think it's pr- probably the Japanese equivalent of these Korean bands yep. that we're looking at. And it's, I'll be honest, it's mostly girls, but it's this sort of thing. It's extremely choreographed, although not to this extent. You've got a whole crowd of guys choreographing their way around the place. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, even not knowing anything about the group, you can't see that. Oh, no, this is... You can't tell that they're good. (laughs) Yeah, this this is the sort... This is the level of choreography you usually expect from, I don't know, a choreography heavy musical or something it's it's something where they've they've really got a professional in who this isn't just some boys doing a bit of a dance because i'm from an era of uh boy bands in the 90s where there'd be three or four of them or five and they would do a certain amount of what i'm looking at here but it would always be the same thing as each other or something slightly different these guys are creating shapes out of crowds it's um yeah, there's there's something really quite interesting going on with what they're doing. Yeah, and it, it, it's on the level of like a dance competition, not just yeah. a normal musical act, which I guess this is supposed to be. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I suppose this is probably the first time I've really figured out why it is that in uh, across various bits of Asian culture over the years, I've been introduced to the concept of the about a hundred thousand people in in the group genre you know like mm. those ones where it's the where they literally have a number in their name because that's how many like 20 year old girls there are in the group yep <laughs> and they and they they move them in and out and they have like people are fans of a particular one even though all like they're all just doing the same thing as each other well um it, it, it doesn't help when everyone is dressed the same and has a similar hairstyle like you have to be really into the group to tell who anyone is. <laughs> That's right. Whereas in this case, they are dressed the same and they do have similar hairstyles, but the choreography is just so good that they're all... I mean, I'm I'm not picking out individual performers here, but that's the point. They're working yeah. together as a unit. This is absolutely a dance show. And if, uh, to the point, I'm not... I, I don't... I can't hear the sound because, of course... Skype has hijacked my sound settings and has lowered the sound to the point where I can't hear it over the sound of my own voice. Mm. But um, there, there doesn't need to be music here. This is a dance act. Yeah, it's kind of uh, presumably this is a group that sells records, and the fact that they sell records is is odd because <laughs> you know it's like it's like buying the CD of Riverdance. You're supposed to be looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, like Korea and Japan, they're they're two of the places where albums still sell uh, over a million copies regularly you you can actually make a living just putting out discs but they also isn't put it, on live acts isn't it weird that that's not the case here but like and like given the size of the music industry and the clout that they have and like like the you know we hear about them being bullies and stuff you'd think that they would have sorted it out so that it, yeah, th- they they were the leaders in that field yeah, it's fascinating how the music industry has just kind of collapsed because if you have like I've watched some YouTube channels from people who are like veteran musicians with decades of experience who have just decided to just yeah create a YouTube channel and talk about music and they say that 
most musical acts, even when they go on tour, barely break even. And then they don't mm. make money from any of their music sales or uh, streams either. It's hmm. really difficult to make a living. Like people say that, oh, just play live and make your living that way. But yeah. even the people who do that barely break even. It's very few people yeah. who really make a lot of money from music anymore. And but they they haven't. The industries in Japan and Korea haven't collapsed that way yet. <laughs> no, and it's weird because... So, uh, my my position on this, as an old person who is not up to date with things, is that I, whenever I want to own music, and uh, to, to the extent that I'll buy it, hmm. it will be a disc. I will always buy a CD. Because, because I just know that I am not personally capable of keeping track of my different accounts on different things and like you know you know i just want to own these things so that i know where they are and i can deal with them and i know that they're going to be slightly better quality in some indecipherable way in things way um but that's me i'm aware that most people just have a spotify account or whatever and just you know just whatever they'll just listen to things in a way that i don't even understand how it's done but i know that it isn't like but i know that it isn't buying the album in a classical way yeah so that's so normal and it feels so normal to mo- to the people who do it and to me it feels normal and i'm just not clued in on what it is so i'm just beyond behind the times that it's really interesting that korea a place that is always slightly ahead of us in terms of technology right would not have the same situation. It's not an it's not a an automatic result of technology and the internet that we don't have music sales anymore. Yeah, and uh, turns out so, something I uh, learned uh, pretty recently from watching uh, Korean uh, variety shows uh, on YouTube, <laughs> which are all subtitled in English by the TV channels themselves putting up the shows in their entirety on YouTube. Apparently, it's for like the benefit. A place like Singapore and stuff because they do apparently standardized on instead of just localizing everything in uh, every language in Asia, just subtitle it in English because everyone learns English in school there. And uh, uh, karaoke places, even in like daycare, they have like uh, karaoke stuff that you can do. Like, oh, have the kids sing karaoke. And then in karaoke places, when you play a pick an artist's song there they get royalties for every time you sing their song at a karaoke place so they figured out how to get like income streams from like a million different tiny places and that kind of makes uh, the whole thing work as a whole Mm. so yeah anyway (laughs) guess we can move on to other stuff so uh Doctor Who? Doctor Who, yeah. Um, huh, oh, well, eh? You know. Yeah, um, we didn't talk about episode 9. I, I, a few episodes ago, I decided to stop watching it. I think it was with episode 7, because well, the yeah. show was good enough to watch. But then you mentioned to me on Twitter that uh, episode 9 was worth watching, because uh, for the first time, it kind of de- lived up to uh, what it promised in first 15 episodes yes i think i think i said something like i think i said something like it's it it felt as if the writers were writing the same show as episode one which i thought was really strong episode one and then Mm. along came this episode that felt like that show again and so i assumed that therefore so would the finale the following week and uh i'm not 
I can't even remember it. So, yeah, perhaps the f- it didn't. The finale was way too simple and straightforward. And, and this is a good contrast with episode 9 because in episode yeah. 9, they set up a mystery. And then in uh, the thir- later in the episodes, there are twists that uh, subvert your expectations based on the setup of the episode. So there's actually like a, a reveal and it's surprising and exciting. Uh, the finale for the season did nothing like that. It, uh, mm. it showed you in the first few minutes, here's the villain, here's the setup, here's the character dilemma that was set up based on this within the first five, ten minutes. And then nothing happens for 40 minutes. And then it pays off on what happened at the start with no clever twist. It's, it's, could you perhaps could you perhaps remind me what happened at all? Like I've got no memory of the episode whatsoever. What what? Which one was it? It's uh, the villain from the first episode. The the oh, gen- yes. the, the gen- generic guy with the rock face, and uh, he was uh, transported uh, through time and space to a uh, primitive civilization somewhere, and he took on the role as their god. He kind of scammed them. That's right. And there were two sort of, you know, hyper-sorcerers, and one of them was the lady from Downton Abbey, and they had unlimited power, but they were subservient to this tooth man. Yeah, and uh, he was going to uh, use their powerful ill because he created a false religion for them to follow and uh, a a destiny for them to fulfill, which uh, was... uh, all part of his evil plan. And then the uh, old guy from the season, he because uh, the, the villain who killed his wife was now around again, he had the He had idea. what could have been a really, really interesting and cool character thing where he was like, just so you know, I will try and kill this man if I come face to face with him. And, and I was at that point going like, oh, here we go. Great. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. This is going to be an interesting dilemma. And then... And then it was not, was it? It wasn't... Yeah, it was kind of a, a limp thing where you didn't see much emotion in him. It was just kind of, well, I have the opportunity to shoot you, but I'm not going to do it. And, uh, oh, he conveniently died anyway. So I wonder if there is a <laughs> plan going on here. Because it, because if there is, it's working. This hmm. is, you know, as we noted last week, they've had like a... I think it was 47% rise in viewing from... Uh, from the previous uh, season of Doctor Who, and it beat it's it beats like the first series of every previous New Who Doctor so far. So it's doing phenomenally well. So whatever it is they're doing is going down well with the the British public, and maybe that's just Jodie, or maybe it's Bradley Walsh, or maybe it's the Sunday evening slot as opposed to Saturday. But the actual, or maybe it is what we are not personally getting engaged by. Maybe. Do, I don't know. Maybe that maybe families do want something of this sort of flavor, and that's why it's doing well. Yeah, because I feel like this would be good if you're a kid, I guess. Well, but would it, it? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, in in a condescending way, it's like, oh, this is good enough for children because they're dumbasses. Whereas, <laughs> I actually want more from children's entertainment. <laughs> I well, want it to be yeah. as good, full stop. <laughs> See, me too. My The reason I'm hesitant here is that I, you know, like the next person, I am susceptible to having my concept of normal gradually altered. 
and that has happened with RTD and Moffat's Doctor Who. You know, we they really moved it to be this very, very strange form of TV, which I, I you know, and I complained about it at the time, but obviously now I'm sort of missing it, and I feel as if this series ought to be more like that. But no, that's not my opinion. I don't think it should be more like that. I think it should be something else. I think it should be more like episodes one and nine of this. Yeah, episode nine lived up to like if the whole season was as good as episode nine with maybe a few episodes that were even better Mm -hmm. then i feel the popularity and everything would be completely justified whereas now i'm just kind of mystified what anyone is seeing in this (laughs) because it's not very good (laughs) yeah i mean jody's good bradley's good yeah Um, the other two are pretty good yeah it it has nothing to do with the actors or the cast it's all to do just with the quality of the stories the stories are just too they're simplistic it's It's, yes it's that minute by minute there isn't always anything going on and that's something that i feel could be remedied um and i you know of course i don't exactly know how i'm not gonna go around pretending i know but like I feel as if you can punch up any story. Put something... like So, for example, that last story, what you've got there is, in the setup, you've got a fairly interesting setup, and actually it's quite an RTD, quite a Moffat-y setup. The thing of bad guy goes back in time so far that he is the founder of a religion that these powerful people follow. That's actually... I love that idea. That's a great idea. And it's a shame that it took until... Like, th- like nearly a week later and this conversation about it for me to realize that it's an idea that I like. Because at the time, it just seemed boring. And yeah, that's the problem. Yes, yeah, scene after scene felt like it was just generic babbling. It didn't feel like proper scenes. It was just exposition, exposition, exposition. It's like, when will we have a real scene with something we can connect to in a, like a human way? Well, <laughs> and that thing was Bradley Walsh saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this person. Yeah. And, the, and having and having his little discussion with the doctor that's what they that's if if that was leaned into and it and the why didn't we have an it was the finale of the series so why didn't we have an episode where one of the characters is wrong in a way that the doctor thinks is fully immoral but in a way that we the viewers completely understand why they're doing it because this is it it's a gift you've got it right here if that, if the story of the episode had been that conflict, even if they wouldn't have to dial it up, they would not, would not have had to make Bradley Walsh any closer to actually killing anyone than he got. Um, just keeping the tension of it, just keeping the story moving along of that being it, the fact that there's an argument, a moral argument between uh, what is more or less our two leads of the of the series. Um, that, I mean, that's textbook good writing there. Two leads having a having a conflict, great. Yeah, but they didn't. And the theme they split. They split them up. Yeah, <laughs> they, they didn't talk to each other for the whole rest of the episode. <laughs> no, and and in fact that and and there was a weakness to it right from the start because it was like once they set up that brilliant thing, I'm thinking, okay, so now the doctor, what the doctor has to face now is she's got to a deal with the situation that's happening with Teeth Guy, but b keep constant tabs on maybe even like you know trap in some way um the bradley walsh character whose name i forget it's G- yeah. it starts with a g but that's what i remember um but that's my fault um oh, like old guy what if she had to lock him in the tardis 
And what if he started to figure out some of the stuff the TARDIS could do? And like, you know, I, oh, sorry, that just came off my head then. But what if something to do with those two characters? Whoa, ah, aha. What if she had to lock herself and him in the TARDIS or in something because she can't trust him to, to, to go out? So they're having their argument. And meanwhile, she's having to remotely deal with the situation in interesting ways that things the TARDIS can do, things that she can do from a distance, something like that. Or just i don't know but just but instead they had her go okay i don't trust you uh, really because you've said you're definitely gonna kill someone and my whole thing this series has been about how you shouldn't do that uh off you go i'll leave you to it and so well no that undermines the 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 weight of that statement which is a good statement and an interesting one and instead it's just like well i'll just have to hope nothing comes of it off you go and she was right nothing comes of it and, it, and like, you know, there's even a moment towards the end where you think, oh, here's the bit where we find out if something will come of it. But until then, there wasn't. All the way through the episode, that thread, the most interesting thing they had going, possibly all series, just ignored, just abandoned, even though it was set up in episode one. <laughs> this should have been the ongoing arc of the whole series. And it could have been if all if all they'd done was really lean into it in this episode, we would have all accepted that it had been the arc this series. And we would have said, okay, it wasn't the strongest. They didn't refer to it every week or what have you, but it would have been satisfying in some way. Yeah, and the theme of revenge is tragically enough, uh, a timely one, because the... Uh, the number of people who have had like relatives killed in some way and then yeah. might want to exact revenge on that person, that group or whatever. It's a worthwhile thing to kind of try to tackle and deal with like, okay, so how, how do you reason in your head in a way to try to get you to like be the better man? As he said that he was at the end when he didn't yeah. shoot the, the bad guy when he had a chance. Yeah. And what was the? <laughs> did you end, did you see the India episode in the end? Um, I only watched half of it. Okay, well that anyway. This was kind of a theme in that, so mm. you can argue that this has been an ongoing theme in the series. Yeah, it's yeah. just it came to nothing unless it comes to something in the New Year's Day special. Uh, and, and genuinely, I think I'll accept that if that's the case. But I don't see how it could. They've, <laughs> yeah. They they squandered their perfect chance that they gifted themselves to make some real drama and kids do like real drama and it, you do you are allowed to have it if you if you're if if the and i can only assume that part of the the uh, the sort of series bible this year part of the direction this year was not to go terrifically dramatic because they never did so let's assume it was mm. deliberate because they're trying to redefine i think what they're trying to do is introduce a sunday a sunday evening audience to this concept and i don't know i don't know about in sweden but here in the uk sunday evening telly has always been the most gentle thing possible we the the the, the sort of poster child for this is monarch of the glen something we had in the 90s where it was just this this gentle uh, presumably scottish uh i had i hesitate to even use the word drama it was for my mum to watch and feel completely safe that nothing bad would ever happen in it and the the monarch of the glen was this 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 nice gentle chap who happened to be you know rich and live in a big hall you know like the downton abbey of its day except without even the drama of downton abbey um and that audience is who is being introduced to doctor who here so i get that they wouldn't want to go over dramatic at first and they would be easing people in 
But on your finale, I think everyone understands what a finale is. And yeah. your, your last episode, you can... And, and now, Moffat, we criticized all the time for and rtd for going overboard with this and for bringing in like oh the whole universe is going to be destroyed seventy thousand times and they went they, too far but this having one guy face a moral dilemma that the doctor disagrees with him on but won't you know she, she'll never like hurt him she'll never stop him in in the way that that you know like uh, the doctor doesn't kill people but people do die around her because they were a villain and so on so that will never happen to this guy so what you have is two un- unmovable forces against each other that should be the perfect level of drama for an audience who doesn't want the planet's going to be destroyed drama but at least gets the concept of what a finale is and instead not no instead just no just didn't yeah instead they did they they kind of went the RTD route because they, they, the bad guy was going to uh, siphon energy from Earth. Really, I wasn't even aware of what was going on. I, I don't think I was. I don't think I cared. Yeah, makes sense. And this, and I'm being really <laughs> negative here, but the previous episode I thought was great. Yeah, same here. It felt like I was kind of shocked when the last third, when there was a genuine twist in the story that I didn't see coming. It's like, oh, I'm I'm experiencing a story in Doctor Who. <laughs> Seems to have some thought put into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least at least the 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 fact that each episode stands alone means that we can we can think of this series the way that we think of like the classic series in the sense that, and I know that there's a lot of ways that people have compared the two, but the one I mean is. We can never watch any of the episodes of this season again, except the first one and episode nine, because you don't need any of the tissue in between. You can just go like, you know, okay, then they went on more adventures, and now here's another story. They all stand alone. Um, instead of buying the season pack, we can just pick up the individual episodes on iTunes or whatever. Yeah, and episode nine even dealt better with the like the grief of like de- dealing with the death yeah. of the wife. Yeah, it, it had some emotional weight to it. And then in ten is like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I was never once bored in the first series of Broadchurch, mm. and I don't know what Chibnall's missing here because he's finally writing the thing he's been a fan of his whole life, and he's not bothered. He's just like not bothering. It's so hard to even concentrate on watching the episodes because they're so boring. Well, this is it. This is why I didn't know what his plan was. Like, I've just. I, just, I mean, I was literally, I was just thumbing through Twitter or something. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Uh, there was a point where we both, where me and Abby both had our phones out and we were just reading stuff and we realized what we were doing. <laughs> and it's like, <sighs> we didn't watch a Deep Space Nine to watch this. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're watching at the moment with our dinner. And like, so we had to put that on pause not be able to listen to the episode of the Greatest Generation podcast afterwards that we would normally do. Yeah. And, that, like, yeah. Ugh. Could have could have watched anything else. You could have been watching 45 minutes of the uh, Mnet Asian Music Awards instead. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. Did you do anything this week? Um, let's see. Not, not a lot. Uh, because... I mean, I watched the rest of Beauty and the Beast. We could complain about that for a bit, I suppose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, 
It's not good, is it? No. And it it's again, the longer it goes, the more impatient you get. I felt especially in the quote unquote action finale is so boring. <laughs> you know, Again, I can't really remember. Oh, you mean the big fight in the castle? Yeah, the big fight in the castle where every joke kind of falls flat. And you know... Yeah, well, there's, I mean, and again, this is, I'm just saying this now essentially to work my way through it a little bit. And yeah. then I'll, I'll go into more detail when I do my dedicated podcast about it. But like, oh, God, yeah, the, because the, the last, the second half of the film was where it was the most full of wrong decisions wrong decisions so like the biggest one the one that really really got me the one no one of two that really got me was in this version okay so in beauty and the beast in the original version of beauty and the beast um they had the something there that wasn't there before song and it kind of you know that it kind of progressed their their relationship but then when it hit broadway uh they expanded that song uh, the song itself wasn't longer, but it had bits in between. It had scenes in between. And one of them was that the beast can't read. And so Belle is, like, teaching him to read. Uh, and that's part of their bonding. Uh, and she's reading him um, a, a, a King Arthur book, which is a bit weird. She's like, it's King Arthur. And he's like, well, that's not a book. Is it the ones of Future King? Like, what? what is, it? is it the Mort Arthur? What, what, what book are you reading? It's King Arthur. Well, okay. Um, but... Um, she teaches him to read, and then the song carries on, and that kind of adds to the relationship. For the uh, IMAX re-release of the film, they animated in this new scene, which was a song that was going to be in the film originally. It was Howard Ashman's kind of swan song, but it was cut from the film. So they were like, okay, in tribute to him, we'll put it back in. They got the same animated, they got the same voice cast, they added a new scene to Beauty and the Beast, and it was relatively seamless. Hmm. Um, and... They did fairly well. It wasn't a morning report like in the did with Lion King. That was ridiculous. <laughs> so then, um, with this film, they've cut that out again, which just seems like rude. But they've kept in the thing about reading, except in this version, they've changed it. He has a classical education. He is well educated. He can read and he can quote Shakespeare at you. Fair enough. At this point, finding this out, Belle goes, oh, brilliant. I really like Romeo and Juliet. And he goes, oh, yeah, you would. Because you're a girl. And this is the point where in the original film, their relationship here is allowed to blossom and sort of it's it's happening now. In this new version, they've got him negging her about how he she reads like girl stuff. So then she goes, and I actually think Emma Watson's quite good in this bit. Mm. And she goes like, oh, really? Oh, well then, excuse me. What do you think I should be reading? And he goes, well, I've got a few suggestions. And it cuts to him stamping into the library and going, I mean, you could start here, for example. And what that does is that changes one of the key moments of their relationship. It's the point at which they've gone through the subtle stuff that the the fact that the animators are really skilled at their job and the, and the storyboard people and everyone put it together, really skilled at their job. All the really subtle stuff that you can't exactly write down as plot points, but that you can see in their just facial expressions and the way the film is crafted that makes them move somewhat together. At that point it's a turning point because he gives her this wonderful gift, which is this library. And he's like, okay, close your eyes. All right, open them. And it's this beautiful moment. And in this film, they've changed it into him. I mean, he's about to go and get Atlas shrugged for her to read. Like it is the most like, yeah, it's, like PUA uh, moment. <laughs> I mean, they already had zero chemistry between the actors. 
And yeah. then they changed the story like this. And I feel like every decision was a mistake. Like him being an avid reader, I already feel like that's a mistake because they're like, it lessens the beast factor from him because now he's just some yeah. guy. Yeah, and it hi- <laughs> yes, and it heightens exactly because and in that scene as well, that bit where that scene I was talking about, like oh, you would read that in that whole scene, he's been an an ass to her. He's just a man in a bed grumping and being abusive, and then and then you get Mrs. Potts going like. Oh yeah, he was he was turned into an abuser by his abusive father. He he his abusive father molded him in his own image. And at that point you're like, "Oh, well then get out. We all know you can't change someone like that. If the whole of the rest of the film is going to be that she has to change him, bad. No, bad, 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 bad. Get away." And then you get this bit with the library. And it, yeah, they've they really have just reduced him to a bad man, an awful man. And it's then that you realize what they're doing. And this is this is confirmed in the end credits that that gross slow motion sequence which hey it's brilliantly animated whoever put it together good work but i'm fundamentally against it because what it does is that 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 confirmation at the end and this scene in particular what they're trying to make is a twilight they're trying to make a 50 shades of gray they they have seen that the current in thing is a bad man that for no reason is allowed to like have this 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 i don't know this i want i don't want to say the word innocent woman because it makes it sounds sounds infantilizing but someone who has done no wrong falls in love with him for no like because of no good qualities of his own she just does because in this we believe in like love as a magic force that just happens to people and then he has to improve he is improved by the fact that she's fallen in love with him that is revolting. That's not... That shouldn't be. Yeah, and it's fine for someone who is like an amateur writer who wants to write like... Uh, yeah. Their own fantasy stuff like that. To, to just write it if that's what they want to do. But this is an already existing story yeah. that's better than that. And yep. they're kind of deliberately making it worse to match whatever is popular, which is like amateur works of literature that kind of blew up in popularity and like what's yeah. the point like I, I i haven't seen anyone who's happy with any of the changes here <laughs> everyone just feels like it's just worse and the original is so popular yeah yeah and it's just beggars belief that they were able to talk themselves into thinking that this was a good idea in any way yeah, it really is quite amazing. Um, and, you know, I get that they had the urge to make it longer. And I don't know why, but I, for some reason I get that. I feel like I would do the same. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so so they have to add all this extraneous stuff. And when they do, and like sometimes when, okay, here's a bit that I quite like that's undermined and ruined by a bit that I hate. So crazy old Maurice, right? There's this mm. bit in the original film where they go and they talk to the evil man who runs an insane asylum now that was weird to begin with that, that was a very uh, you know i mean they got away with it because it was like pleasure island on um, in pinocchio they have the same scene where the villains strike a deal with this guy who will take away a character but it doesn't really make sense why would there be an evil insane asylum owner unless you are saying in your film as we all know an insane asylum is like an evil place run by evil people 
so now that we don't engage in that anymore and we're all like you know the the this like the discussion on mental health has progressed we that wouldn't work anymore especially not in a live action where they're trying to make it seem like a real thing so instead they come up with a, a version of the story where the villagers and i'm kind of against this but the villagers are not they're, they're kind of reasonable in this version and when maurice says yeah gaston tried to kill me they go oh really that's we're gonna have to find out about this and so when gaston comes in he has to essentially face a, a committee of the villagers who are like um did you try and kill this guy and he turns it round. he sweet talks them into them believing that actually maurice is just crazy and he needs to be locked away for his own protection now as a story point i can agree that that is an upgrade from the original version unfortunately they got a couple of things wrong they didn't make gaston um i've got nothing against the guy who played gaston but mm. the way he was written was not sufficiently convincing he i don't know why they all or at least any of them came round to believing that maurice should be locked up right and and they and they try and deal with that by having a couple of people who don't go along with it but generally but he gets locked up in the van so it's like okay he should have been more convincing then or or we should have seen him turn on the charm a lot more but that's been undermined earlier with the fact that the gaston song the people are not as fond of gaston as they are in the original that you know lefou is essentially paying them off to join in with the song so that so that's undermined but whatever as a story point i think it's an upgrade here's the problem it's all completely predicated on a piece of total nonsense from earlier in the film where yes gaston tried to kill maurice and there's no justification of it he just he's in the woods with Maurice, helping Maurice, because he's gone along with him. You think, when, when he goes to the pub and goes like, there was a beast, and, you know, in the original film, it's like, crazy old Maurice, LeFou, I'm afraid I've been thinking, and he's come up with this plan to to get the guy incarcerated and, and get Belle through her. That is cut out. They don't do that song, or even a dialogue version of it. So you don't know whether Gaston has any plan here at all. And it, you know, and I assumed he did because of the way he eagerly got up to help Maurice. But no, it seems like he was just going to help him. They get as far as the woods. Maurice gets a little bit lost, and Gaston just goes. He just snaps, and he just ties him to a tree to be eaten by wolves. And there is no justification for that in his character in the story so far. Like the having watched it, I then watched the what I was really looking forward to, which was the Lindsay Ellis video about it. That's why I wanted to watch this in the first place, is so I could finally watch that. Mm. And in it. She thinks that what they're doing is that the justification for it is that he's got PTSD from the war. And so, like, he's... But that's not what it is. I, d I disagree with her there because it's... They don't bring that up. They It's never in any other part of the film. He never snaps on, on any other occasion. And there's nothing about this that reminds him of the war. So it's just... He yeah. just does He doesn't even seem to snap. He just does it. Yeah, it seemed like an arbitrary excuse to bring it up that, oh, he apparently committed war atrocities. We haven't seen the, any in indication or reference to that before, but they added it to this scene. So yep. it would justify him just killing someone innocent uh, <laughs> in cold yeah, blood. It, yeah, it's so... If if Well, let me let me dial back. It's not that I disagree with Lindsay. It's that they if that's what it is, they didn't do it. It's just the closest you can come up with to an to a justification for a scene that I, I here's where I go with it I don't think is justified at all yeah and so just so that and that everything else in the film hangs on that moment after that point 
that is essentially the new pivotal plot point of the entire film because after that that is because of that that Maurice gets locked up and it's because of that that the villagers go to the castle and it's because of that because of that because of that so, so how hard would it have been to actually just put in a reason for Gaston to do that even if it's that he has a PTSD flashback or even if it's that he just is an unreasonable un- horrible person like you've worked hard to stop him from being it was already there you didn't have to fix it you fixed it yeah and now now your story doesn't work why would you do that for then yeah <laughs> like it's not like this is a undercooked script that needs a few more revisions it's like they took a story that worked perfectly fine to begin with and then just made it worse <laughs> Exactly. That's the, the, the hardest thing about all of this is that there is already a better version of this film out. And like it's 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 almost as if you know how there are certain films and like Alien is one of them where mm. you'll say, Don't watch the director's cut because the stuff that was cut was correct to cut because it makes for a better story. Yep. This is like the opposite of that. If they cut that stuff out of this story, they'd have a better story. And they do and it's the film we've grown up with and now they've added the stuff that you should cut and it's stuff and it's stuff that if this had been the first version of beauty and the beast if they hadn't done an animated version all this stuff the stuff with the teleporting book that would be cut from this film the only reason it survives the 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 normal process of like going over a film and seeing what should still be in it and what shouldn't is because it was explicitly put in to make this film longer and and like everyone who made it knows that and that's why it survives. But every single piece of it is extraneous, doesn't justify itself. And it's a shame because with this new way of getting Maurice into the cart, they had one justifiable addition to the story, which justifies the addition of another scene and another scene. And that's what you do. You make it all locked together. You make it a new way of approaching the story. But they didn't. I wish they would have just made a movie longer by adding in like uh, several minute long instrumental dance breaks in every song. Well, look, I can't tell to what extent you're joking there, but I think they it should have done that because yeah. if they had, that would have been the musical. They in the <laughs> stage version of Beauty in the stage version of Be Our Guest and Gaston. That is what they do. They just expand them out by putting these big dance bits in it, and it's like. That's clearly what you wanted to do. You just wanted to show off. It's all written for you. Just put it on the screen. There's like, there's not that many new songs in the musical, to be honest. There's like, and they replace the ones they've got. There's the uh, there's the song where she gets locked in the in the room, which they play the instrumental for in the film. Uh, there's um, oh yeah, there's the Beast's solo, which they give him a solo in this, but it's a crapper one, and it's like. And it's not as good as the one. Now, now, the one in the stage musical is not that great of a song. They're not. None of them are that great of a song because Mm. Howard Ashman has died. And Tim Rice, quite frankly, does not put in as good of a job as Howard Ashman does writing the lyrics. So you've got nice, pretty tunes. The words are just okay, right? And in some cases, they're, they're not good. Oh, but Gaston has a solo called Me, and it's brilliant. And it's the best new addition to the show. And everybody listening to this should go and look up Me gaston beauty and the beast broadway it's a it's funny it's good it's the part where he goes into propose to her in the house which again cut from this film um so they might as well have just put the song in um 
but like there's not that many songs but when there is it's just a song it makes it longer by dint of the fact that there's a song do that then you don't have to add a magic book where you find out that her mum died of the plague which leads to nothing <laughs> nothing is gained by that it's not it's not even like it it's like they have this it's as if they reconcile this father daughter like argument that they had but they but they don't they didn't have a difference between them that they then reconcile by the fact that she finds out her mum died of the plague it's like there's no tension there there's no conflict to be resolved so when they resolve it in the cart because bell's locked in there as well and having resolved it they're like okay now we've got the resolve to escape this cart and it's like no that that doesn't help with that you didn't need to do it I get wanting to do something and I get like if you had put a conflict in between them because it's alluded to as if uh, as if it was a problem between them that he won't tell her what happened to her mum but it's not she just kind of goes like tell me a thing about my mum and he goes like all right well she was mysterious or something you know says something like that and she goes like okay and it's it's not a problem between them They're, they're just really happy and they love each other and it's fine so yeah, so uh, in short, anyone who heard that the live-action Beauty and the Beast was bad, yeah, well, it's true. <laughs> now, this is what, and I'm going to say this on the uh, the Disney's podcast. When I, whenever I have something like this where I'm complaining about a piece of work, mm. I always feel a bit bad about it. And like, because I know, and this is what I want to establish, and I'm going to say this at the top of the other podcast, I know that these decisions don't happen because someone went, I've got a great idea, and that person was an idiot, and they did a bad piece of work. No, what happens is there are all sorts of different like moments along the production of the film where some some problem will come up, and usually someone who's not a, a story person is an executive or an advertising person or something will go, or rather a marketing person will go, we need something like this to happen. Can you make it that this happens here? And they go, well, not really, but okay. And as production moves on, it gets worse until you have until you have to stitch together the best version you can out of the stuff you've got to put in the film and that is what we're looking at with beauty of the beast so i'm in i support everyone who worked on this film i'm delighted that they got the job and that they got paid for the job and and all of that so i'm not having a go at anyone but if only (laughs) if only all films were just made by going like you know how to make a story make this story and they do instead of whatever it is that leads to this like imagine for example imagine for example that there was let's take it out of uh uh, film writing and let's make that's allegorically let's make this a metaphor imagine there's like a character design right which is perfect and it's perfect and it's it's perhaps imagine it's one of the best character designs ever made and it's simple it's made out of simple shapes and it communicates very clearly with an immediate visual what the character is all about. And let's say in this particular case that they're, I don't know, cool and that they're, I don't know, fast. So let's imagine that this is a blue character with some really simple shapes on their back that sort of, that, that, that point to speed um, and, and it, it makes it look like they're almost, you know, moving when they're still, right? And apart from that, they're basically Mickey Mouse. You've got a couple of balls, sticks for arms and legs. And it's, it's, it's a perfect and honed design and and imagine that some that so, someone's let's say making a movie adaptation of this character and everything's going fine until someone says well 
but it has to look like it could really exist in the real world. Please convert this to be like a cross between a sort of a, a, a mammal, like an animal, and a human with a human musculature structure. The people who work on that design, when what they come out with is, is ultimately, of course, a, a hideous monstrosity, can't be personally blamed for it because it won't be a designer's fault. They will have, they will have been given notes, they'll have been given directions and so I support, again, artists working on films. But the people who make them do stupid things are idiots. Has anything else happened this week, Peter, that we could talk about? That anecdote reminds me of like, an I Am Legend, the yeah. uh, Will Smith uh, uh, version of uh, the book. And, well, there's been two versions uh, of the book. But uh-huh. I made another one, and it had, had badly animated monsters in it that jump around like they don't weigh anything. And uh, the anecdote is that they uh, animators actually animated them properly at first, uh, with them adhering to Earth's gravity and having proper oh. weight. But the director saw that and felt like, no, he wanted them to jump around in a more unrealistic uh, way to make them look more powerful. So they had to animate them worse based on the direction from the director of the movie. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> that's a very apt analogy for Beauty and the Beast because that happens <laughs> on two occasions in Beauty and the Beast. There's the bit where um, the, you know, Maurice is in the cell and, and Belle swaps with him. In that, the Beast jumps off a high up set of stairs because for some reason his whole castle is full of stairs that haven't got any handrails um really dangerous and, and they're bottomless pits under them so he jumps off one goes through the air with like like a just like nothing like a floaty nothing superimposed on the picture stops in midair as if he hits a wall and goes directly downwards to land in position and clearly no animator especially no animator who dares step in the front doors of disney would ever do that that has to have been ordered by someone on high for some stupid reason. And then at the end of the film, for reasons that are presumably explained, but I didn't really understand why, the beast is just clambering about on roofs of the, of the, uh, on the turrets of the, uh, the castle at the end when he's being attacked by Gaston. And he jumps between them. And again, there is no weight to what he's doing. So even though he's a, even though he's he's got the the I've forgotten the word for it, but the the sort of the kind of knees backward knees that animals have, he's got beast hind legs. So he could really spring off powerfully f- with that jump, and it could be weighted like in the real world. But for some reason, instead they give him like Marvel Hulk physics. So he's just someone who can just raise up off the ground, like more or less just fly, and it just looks stupid. There's no because and he's just and suddenly he's just a bloke again, even though they they gifted themselves this they just had to have a an animal jump from one place to another he has the correct legs to do that and they just animated it badly and it must have been a decision from on high because again an animator would never do that and so yeah and there's I can easily see how how it would happen and that the people who made that decision. And told people to animate it that way afterwards can kind of change their mind when they see the result. But at that point, it's too late in the production because it seems like uh, there's so many decisions, decisions that have to be made in, a produ- uh, in the production of a movie. There's so many opinions coming in and out that it's like collective insanity. And it's almost like pure luck if the correct decisions are made and 
stupid orders like that don't come through and ruin the quality of various things in a movie. Whether it's the, the story structure that already existed in the script where they shuffle things around and now the story doesn't work or the CG is redone because they feel like, no, it should be more like this because, I don't know, the person believes, has poor judgment for some reason, has heard that yeah. it, it should look more like this other popular movie that had bad animation, which would make it look more like that movie, because it'll be better than... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Peter, there's been two posters for Sonic this week. <laughs> Forget all that. I'm talking about Sonic now. Yeah. This was the week it happened. Uh, I was joking about it before, but I've got to talk about it. Like, me and Abby were at the post office uh, because we, we'd missed a parcel because I was on the toilet. And uh, so we had to go and pick up this parcel from the post office. There we are in the queue. It's a big, long queue because it's a couple of weeks before Christmas. And this thing comes out. And we had to really hold it together because we were in public. We were in a queue. And we were looking at pictures of this 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 Sonic poster. And again, again, whichever artist made this, no problem with that artist. You're great. I, I want to hear your story. I know you can't tell it. I want to hear it. Uh, it's guaranteed they, they're deeply ashamed of what they've done. Because nobody reasonable could look at that and think that, perfect, that's beautiful. Yeah, and what's what's really <laughs> weird is that they, if, if, okay, clearly what's going on here is, and there was, there's a bit of, it, it, they're so worried about this that they even had to do a little interview that came with it where they're like, yeah, the thing with the eyes, and we don't know what that is yet, but it's clearly that they've given him two separate eyes. The thing with the eyes, Sega didn't like that, but we were like, yeah, but if we don't do it, he's going to look really weird. So it's clear that Sonic is not going to look like Sonic, but it's going to be some sort of reimagining of Sonic that's going to, you know, work in, in a real-world setting, which he shouldn't be in. That in itself, making yet another Alvin and the Chipmunks film, the, that whole genre of films famously loathed by everyone with a brain. Um, loved by people without a brain but that that genre the smurfs in new york that stuff for some reason we've got to make another one of them for sonic even though mario is getting a proper film now and like whatever okay whatever whatever um i'm actually in favor of it because i think it's going to be a hilarious and b the new mario movie and hey i'm on board for that but why did they decide to give us this new controversial design for sonic in silhouette what is now at least what is it oh my god is it only two days since it came out did it come out on thursday or did it come out on monday i can't i can't remember (laughs) but it it, i think it was i don't know but anyway it's been out for a few days and they still haven't shown us what he looks like so clearly they were showing their decision was to show us the silhouette long before showing us the final thing giving us all time to make fun of it Time to respond to to it in a way that is clearly it's it's negative. Like the same thing happened with Lumiere and Cogsworth with Beauty and the Beast. They released that image, and we all went, "What? No!" And then the film came out. And to be honest, actually, that did perfectly well. So maybe that's what they're thinking of. Maybe they think that the formula is to revolt the audience with a bad design, and then <laughs> you know, and then just the, the film will make loads of money, but because they don't realize that it, that's not why. But anyway, yeah. What? Go on. No, I was going to say, yep. Seems to work. (laughs) All they had to do was give us the design. And then we would be able to talk about it fairly and sensibly. But instead, they've given us this silhouette version of it where all we can do is look at it and go, is that a little tiny eyeball sticking off his head, like miles up above his nose? 
is that where is that where its eyes are? Like, if not, what is that? A what? Like, what? What is this design? Um, why does he have this this human body with these with the, this leg musculature? And then someone finds a poster for it. And I don't know where this came from, but someone's tweeted this poster where you are you essentially you're supposed to be Sonic looking out over like a big bridge that he's just run along, and you can still see his sort of line of zippy air and his and so you can just see his legs and so we can see that yeah he has a detailed human musculature on his legs something which has really only been drawn once before by um uh an, the worst artist on the american comics and it was made fun of forever uh but um he, and he's got the wrong shoes and i understand I, the, the word wrong is a loaded word and i and i genuinely don't mind and I genuinely don't mind them changing the design. Like, it's fine. Do everything differently. It's fine. Uh, but if what you're going to do is that, and you know that, you know, that this is this is something with a with a huge, uh, huge, huge, huge following, um, then you are going to get people saying it's wrong. So you have to come out with something strong out, out of the door. And they haven't. They've come out with something that's the legs. The problem with the legs is there is no version of, of anatomy that allows these legs to join onto a body so they've they've removed them from the body they've separated them out and they've posed them in a way that makes the poster work but that means the poster doesn't work and people don't fall for it they didn't fall for it in ready player one where some poor sap was made to superimpose an image of a boy climbing a thing onto a picture of a, a pole where the 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 things to climb up are way too far apart for the picture they've been given of the boy climbing. So they had to like extend his leg by about three times its proper length. Remember that poster? The Ready Player One poster? Yeah. This is another example of that. And it's... it's We, we know. We notice. Now, to be fair on them, they haven't officially released that poster. So that one might be rejected. Um, but the silhouette is official. And it's really weird. And, and what I'd love is if it, if they actually do know what they're doing. If it is a troll, and if like it turns out to be some other thing, I don't, I don't know what that could be. The world is stupid enough that I'm willing to take this completely on face value. That everyone involved thought, that, yeah, this is a good idea. It looks great. It won't be everyone involved. It'll be someone in the, someone on some layer of executive production who's who's yeah. who's dictated it because nobody because no again an artist recognizes that sonic the hedgehog is one of the strongest character designs we've ever created as a species and they they will not have wanted to do this but it's got to be an alvin and the chipmunks because everyone loves those don't they no no one has ever loved those they've they've tolerated it briefly because their children saw a talking animal those children didn't know what a better thing they could have had and so for so that becomes a genre it makes money for sony for a while they stopped doing them. They haven't done them in a while. And th I suppose Peter Rabbit was kind of one. And then <laughs> this is happening now. Nobody wants this to happen. and it, but, it, but it's happening. And what makes this, I d again, as with Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast, we already had the original version of Beauty and the Beast against which to measure it to see that, like, no, here's a better idea version of this same idea you've had. Here's a better way of going about it. Well, this picture has come out just after the release of the trailer for Detective Pikachu, which has... It wasn't perfect, but it got this comparatively right. It just took the designs, it put them in the real world, and it admitted 
that that would look silly and and it's gone with that now i suppose that there's an extra dimension to this which is that in the pokemon games it's supposed to be the quote unquote real world and pokemon are in it in sonic the one time when they have in the games well it's a couple of times now brought sonic into a real human world it has been relentlessly mocked for more than a decade uh, and that was the time when he had a human girlfriend uh, well not girlfriend but he kissed her and uh, and she was a human princess and it all looked like final fantasy except with sonic in it it didn't work it shouldn't be done and for some reason their solution is make sonic different not don't do it yeah but now that you mentioned pokemon i yeah. would love to see a live action version of pokemon that adapts pokemon go as the basis of the story and it's realistic gritty monster designs and they designed the story to have that make sense where uh, children have to learn to catch monsters uh, the first thing they do as soon as they can use the pokeballs because the world is just overflowing with them and humanity would be wiped out immediately if we wouldn't we didn't hunt them down mercilessly all the time well look that might be what it is we haven't seen detective pikachu yet yeah (laughs) yeah i admittedly i'd like to see that as well and that might be the version of sonic we're getting you know that that could be what we're getting i mean so far we know that it's you know it's not i don't think it i don't think it's like sonic from sonic magically ends up in the human world it could be that but like We've got a town called Green Hills. There's someone cast as the sheriff of Green Hills, I think. There's um, there's like everybody in it is is human. Doctor Robotnik is played by Jim Carrey and not by voicing a CG character. I think we've established that he's actually in it. So like, it could be that it's only Sonic himself that's any kind of CG monster at all. And so like, w- w- the fact that they're justifying that by changing his design to be something that they perceive would look like it could really exist, even though, no, of course it won't. That suggests, is it going to be, they'll have a story reason for him to exist? Is he going to be some kind of genetic creation? He's got lightning coming off his shoes, so clearly his shoes are going to be magic in some way. Mm. Uh, That's in both pictures we've seen so far. So, like... Will the shoes be designed by a famous shoe company? Will there be a brand on it like... uh... Movie like was. the like the Nike logo on the Bobom or whatever it was. Yeah, in Mario was it Nike? I always forget which which one it was. Must have been. Yeah, and I, th- I think it was Fantastic Four, uh, where one uh, there was a flying car with like a giant Chevrolet logo on it. Uh huh. <laughs> I think it might have been Renault. Something where it's like, oh, here's a superhero creation. It's clearly not built by a car company, but you have a giant car company logo on it. Because product placement. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I want that in the Sonic movie. Yeah, me too. I want that's the thing. I, I'm completely on board with the idea of a like a, a wrong Sonic movie. Genuinely. Uh, you know, the more like Mario the better. You know me, I like that film. I want this to, I want a live action Jim Carrey Doctor Robotnik. I want that so badly. I love this whole idea. So it, the, my problem is only and it, I, you know I'm kind of making fun here I'm not genuinely cross about this just the baffling decision to release this <laughs> silhouette of this monstrosity instead of letting us see what it looks like and accept it I guess I guess they got us talking so there is that but it's the Sonic movie come on we is it as if we wouldn't be talking yeah <laughs> 
I can't wait. I cannot wait to see this film. It's yep. obviously going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm, I'm, it's not. It's not often that I uh, that I, a film is going to be awful, and I'm looking forward to that, and I think that that's fine. Mm. But for some reason, this is one of those times. I've been burnt before. I was in support of the uh, Transformers movie when that was coming out, and in fact, the oh, uh, the yes. Santa story I'm currently re-uploading is a little bit weird because it essentially the fundamental like point of it turns out to be don't complain about the Transformers movie until you've seen it. <laughs> ah, and it's well, like yeah no those are my my most hated films that I've ever seen yeah unfortunately uh, everyone took your advice en masse and uh, yeah. watched them one after the other again and again and again and again yeah yeah, and again there's one coming out now uh, although apparently this one is good well I've heard it's not good it's a compare oh. it, it's good compared to the Michael Bay ones but well what does that mean Yes, so it's like, well, this could have been better, but at least it's not as bad as the other ones. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is good compared to the Michael Bay ones. Yeah. Even though it fundamentally follows the same... Like, basically, I think Beauty and the Beast is made with the same approach as the Michael Bay Transformer films, in that it's... The only point is we have CG here, and there are no characters, and there are no motivations, nobody's a human in it. It's a Transformers film, except it hasn't got any Transformers in. Mm. But it's better than them for that. <laughs> then we have uh, the movie you've been looking forward to for a long time, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Every oh. review of it I've seen has been positive. Yeah, like deliriously positive. I've seen people saying like, this is a new paradigm in animated films. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm hopefully seeing it on Monday, but I don't know for sure. Hmm. Well, I, uh, I watched Incredibles too. Ah, and uh, I wasn't going to first because uh, who cares? And uh, I mean, you haven't watched it either for that reason no. because who cares? And uh, who, you're... who who cares? And it's weird because I was one of the people who was determined they should make a sequel when it came out. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I wanted a sequel, and for some reason, I don't know why, something about the timing of it, it made. I was just going, well, why? I'm not bothered anymore. You know, things have changed, and I'm not interested. Yeah, it took so long for them to make a sequel. And the sequel, uh, on the face of it, just looks like picks off where the last one left off. And, well, it does. It, it's, it's written as like a sequel would, like, I don't know, Cars 2, where you put it into production immediately after the first one is made. Yeah. And it's not as good as the first one. It, it's This is exactly how you thought it would be. It's... Uh, you can see that there's a concept here for a nice story, but it's a bit undercooked. It's kind of like, I don't know, Matrix Reloaded or something, where you can tell not as much thought was put into the sequel as the first one. So it's just mystifying. Why did it take this long to make a sequel that's this underwhelming? Well, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so a, a, another one to look at is Toy Story 3, right? That took them a long time. Mm. And the answer to the question, well, why did you make this, is... We have we we thought of a story. Yes, we've got a reason to make a, a new film, and even if it's just that we wanted to wait until a Andy or B the audience had grown up, that's a reason to do it. The problem is that the same, I mean, probably longer has it has happened since uh, the Incredibles came out, uh, as it, as was between Toy Story two and three. I'm not sure about that, but it feels like it. Yeah, and like. So Jahan went to see it, and I saw him the other day when we were recording our last series, Disney, and he 
he said that he saw it and we needn't bother because it's or it's almost like watching the same film again and what confuses me about that is that then why do it this why do it yeah like you said like why wait this long and then go aha and then make another incredibles if you haven't got an idea what was the aha what made it happen that made it that didn't what new condition was there that greenlit this film that didn't exist back then when it was relevant yeah it's it's very confusing because yeah watching it you can see like little glimmers of ideas here but they're they don't go anywhere interesting with them it's so basic the movie it's really it really just is the same thing again and i mean you can see that yeah pixar have excellent storyboard artists and animators because the only thing that held the movie up for me was the action sequences like it opens with a bank robbery that they have to stop and it's so entertaining that you kind of are left off there with on an emotional high where it feels like oh now i understand what everyone else was trying to do when they opened their movie with an action sequence they were trying right. to elicit this emotion right. our picks are good enough at just the craft of putting together a movie that they actually succeeded at that where it's like oh this is, this is really nice and then kind of slides downhill as you get dialogue scenes and the actual story start and it, it gets boring but then you have like another action scene in the middle and another action scene at the end and all of those kind of prop up the movie and then kind of falls downhill again as the story progresses <laughs> but again the finale was good enough just the action of it that i, I kind of came away from it feeling like, yeah, yeah that was all right but it's so it's really underwhelming it this this should have come out five years ago seven years ago how yeah. old is the last one <laughs> uh-huh. but even then it would have been completely forgotten this is this is cars 2 really well yeah. is it because cars 2 was actively offensive this sounds like it's just well i haven't seen cars 2 so i'm just saying that it's oh peter yeah that's the next one. Watch Cars 2. <laughs> watch Cars 2. And then I didn't get through it. So I'll watch it with I'll watch it at the same time. And we'll watch Cars 2 and we'll talk about it. That's what we'll do this week. We'll watch Cars 2. And then we can watch Cars 3 because that's meant to be good. But Cars 2 is one of the worst films. Uh, okay. Go on. Sure, why not? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's watch Cars 2. And then Cars 3. Honestly, I tried my hardest. I did not get through Cars 2. Um, because it's it's execrable. It's not just boring or more. Of, have you seen Cars One? Yes. Okay. It's yeah. It it's not just more of the same. It's an actively harmful experience. Um, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's not that many Disney films left to watch, so why not just get through the last few ones? <laughs> exactly. I watched The Good Dinosaur, so how bad could it be? <laughs> I did not watch The Good Dinosaur. I've uh, I avoided that one. It sounded bad. Yeah, I mean, I, and I did watch Alice Through the Looking Glass. That's like that was all right. I like Alice Through the Looking Glass. Yeah, the only problem it has is Alice in Wonderland, the, the yeah. movie before it. That just yep. that's a movie so bad. Nobody should have made a sequel to it. Yeah, but they did, and and again they did it years later long after the original film was relevant yeah i was shocked to see that it came out like 2016 <laughs> like why ages later they decided to make one and 
bless everyone involved because they tried their best. But yeah, nobody cares that this movie came out. I forgot that it came out. I'm kind of surprised to learn that it came out. But when I watched it, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I actually remember some of this imagery. I must have seen a trailer for this two years ago. But it just came in one year and out the other because it was a sequel to Alice in Wonderland. And who gives a shit? But like Sasha Baron Cohen, really funny in this. Again, yeah, I was, he's not. He for me, he's not always a sure thing. He's very hit or miss for me. But in that, I liked him. Yeah. Again, a, a shock to to watch an Alice in Wonderland movie, and I at one point I laughed, yeah. and jokes kind of landed where they elicited like yeah. smiles and uh, like mild laughter. It's like that never happened in the first one. It's like you can't catch yourself. Like, wait, did I just feel an emotion? <laughs> And again, she gets the Wonderland in the sequel, and it doesn't look like vomit. Yeah, it's a quite quite an achievement, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I can't recommend it to anyone because if you watch it, it would imply that you would have to watch the first one because it's a sequel to the first one, and no one should watch the first one. <laughs> well, but the thing is, it does all the same things like Story Beats, the first one did. So like, I feel as if... And it's not as if the first one introduces any characters... And that's one of the things that's wrong with it. So, honestly, just chuck out the original and get through the looking glass in. Because the original completely plays on the assumption that the audience already knows by cultural osmosis who these characters are, who the Mad Hatter is. So what's the difference? Just watch the second one. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we've been talking for a while, so... Yeah, we should go. I, I just want to. I just want to bring up that something I've just seen on Twitter mm. uh, that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is to uh, star in a film called Brexit, <laughs> <laughs> and he's starring as uh, uh, Dominic Cummings, the man who spearhead, spearheaded the Vote Leave campaign. Now, this is interesting because there's been there's a current sort of investigation going on that may be drawing lines between the Brexit campaign, Farage, uh, Steve Bannon, and the WikiLeaks guy. And Benedict Cumberbatch, unless I'm mistaken, has previously played the WikiLeaks guy in a film. Yes. So we could get to the... All he, do, he needs to play Farage now, and we'll just have like the, the whole pantheon. It'd be great. Yeah. yeah. It should be like... You know, it should be like... Um, what that the nutty professor sequel where <laughs> everyone in the family was played by the same guy, yeah. but Brexit. It's about time we had uh, another one of those movies. Yeah, <laughs> I do actually want them to make that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs>